Welcome to Ginspired, brought to you by theginshop.ca. This podcast will take you on a journey into the world of gin, where you'll experience this versatile spirit in ways you never thought possible. Now the host of Ginspired, Heather E. Wilson. Hello and welcome to Ginspired, where we talk about and celebrate everything about the wonderful juniper lace spirit called gin. I'm your host, Heather E. Wilson, and on today's episode, I welcome Harry Osborne, distillery host for the Gorilla Spirits Company, located in Upton Gray, UK. And today we're going to chat about the Gorilla Spirits Distillery and all their gin products and how it's working with the Gorilla Organization to protect gorillas. Yes, and welcome, Harry. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're really excited to chat today. But first, as with all episodes, let's start by sharing what we are drinking. Harry, you get to go first. What are you drinking today? So here I have a version of a cocktail known as a Spicy 50. And usually that's made with vanilla vodka, elderflower, pinch of honey syrup, lime, and most importantly, fresh chilies. That's what gives it its name. But I've made a version which I call a hot gin and ginger using our gin as the base instead of vanilla vodka with ginger syrup instead of the honey alongside the elderflower and lime. Spicy and refreshing, a bit like a Moscow mule, but with a little extra kick, yeah. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Mm. Yes. Mm. Okay, well... Today, I'm having something a little bit easier, I guess simpler, (laughs) and in celebration of summer being just around the corner, at least here in Canada, I'm actually having a strawberry gin with fever tree, refreshingly light tonic, garnished with a few fresh strawberries and a sprig of mint, and I got the inspiration off your website. I know, yeah. It's a delicious cocktail. I hope you're enjoying it. Yes, very much so. And strawberry gin, which we'll talk about yours in a little bit, Mm. is the perfect refreshing cocktail for the summer, I think. It's like celebrate summer in a glass. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so let's get to the nitty-gritty of why we're here today. So let's talk about you first, though, before we get into the company. Did you always love gin? Like, what's your gin story? Well, I have to admit, I probably came to other spirits before I came to gin. I'm an only child, and my parents are alcohol enthusiasts, shall we say. So whenever we went on holiday, it was always uh, distilleries and breweries, but particularly the single mold distilleries up in Scotland. So I got into the world through them. They gave me an appreciation of finer quality spirits out there. And since I started working for Gorilla, that's where I really developed my knowledge and interest in gin. Okay. So your family didn't have the traditional gin and tonic at six o'clock like everyone in the UK that I ever talked to does? Oh, absolutely. That's why I didn't mention it, because it's just assumed. Yes, absolutely. g and T's. Five o'clock, yeah. Yeah, I love that tradition, I think. Do they still do it today? Well, we do in our household. We think it's a very civilized tradition, yes. especially in the summer months. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay, so tell me about Gorilla Spirits and its story and how it came to be. Absolutely. So Gorilla Spirits was founded by Andy Daniels. And basically, he used to have his corporate life in IT sales. 
then technology was getting faster. His colleagues were getting younger. So he thought he'd exit gracefully before he was tapped on the shoulder. But obviously, he wasn't just going to sort of sit around and twiddle his thumbs in retirement. So he took on his sort of second venture in life. And he went back to his uh, childhood or rather teenage interests of sort of distilling and brewing. He was one of those teenagers who made a lot of bathtub beers. And uh, I think he was a dad hand at making cider too. But when he retired, I think his wife, Claire, thought that he'd just be sort of a man in a shed at the end of the garden playing with his still, you know. <laughs> it would keep him distracted. But obviously, it's got a bit out of hand since then. And he collaborated with a man called Dr. David Clutton, who's the only man, as far as I know, to have a PhD in gin in the UK. And he's collaborated and devised on many sort of craft gin recipes around the country that you may have known and tasted and enjoyed. And you had to convince him that he wasn't a snake oil salesman, because as you know, gin is very popular. It's easy to make a gin. It's harder to sell it. And there was a lot of people who thought they could kind of get rich quick, quote unquote. So after Andy had persuaded Dr. Clutton that he was serious about it, they came down and they devised the recipe that became Silverback Mountain Strength Gin which was the first gin that we sold commercially. The first bottle sold on Christmas Eve 2015. It's a nice, simple gin recipe. I'm of the opinion that the fewer botanicals in a gin, the more room they have to express themselves. And in this case, apart from the foundation of juniper, coriander, angelica, and orris roots, the main flavor really comes from sweet orange, lemongrass, and acacia blossom. So nice, soft, subtle citruses. goes down nice and smoothly. I suppose I'd say our signature serve would be uh, a nice double with maybe a little home pour with fever tree Mediterranean and either a twist of orange, which will bring out the sweetness and the sweet orange, or a twist of pink grapefruit, which is my personal favorite because it makes it a bit drier and sharper. Yes, I am definitely a fan of the grapefruit for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, me too. Okay, so then when did you join? How did you become involved? Oh, so by a sort of happy accident, one day I happened to be trawling LinkedIn and the page refreshed and I saw the Gorilla logo pop up advertising for the position of distillery host. This was just after the first lockdown in the UK and the lockdown, obviously all the hospitality restrictions were then lifted. So Gorilla was advertising for the new role. And I thought to myself, talking, drinking, yes, I can do those things. I like those things. (laughs) Check, check, check. Check, check, check. So I applied and the rest is sort of history. And it was a great relief because over lockdown, I've been an Amazon driver, you know, sort of needs must. So anything to get out of that job. So when I saw the opportunity at Gorilla, I jumped at it. And actually, when I came down for my interview, I was challenged with making a couple of cocktails and giving a presentation on the history of gin. Turned out Andy just wanted to see if I was loud enough. So. (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah. Awesome. Mm. Okay. So let's talk about the gorillas. Why? gorillas specifically and obviously it's from the beginning so how did andy incorporate all the gorilla protection and conservation stuff so andy would be the first to admit that he had no particular infatuation with gorillas before this didn't watch david attenborough or anything like that he deliberately when he was setting out his sort of second business venture deliberately wanted to create a company that was of a good moral character that collaborated and gave back to the community and with local businesses. And he also wanted a small sort of ecological footprint to be environmentally conscious, all of these good things. So he deliberately set out looking for a charity to build his business around or in collaboration with. He found that a lot of charities, the money trail kind of ends in a question mark, you know, where, who's it going to, how's it been used? 
Whereas he found the guerrilla organization, who are a London-based charity, incredibly transparent and even more effective with the funds that they have. And they're involved in so many collaborative projects with governments, other charities, and most importantly, the local peoples and the communities. And so Andy was very impressed by their sort of collaborative setup of the guerrilla organization. So he sort of wrote to them and they accepted his partnership. A pound from everything we sell goes towards the guerrilla organization. And they obviously put it to work in Uganda, Rwanda, and the DRC. And primarily it's guerrilla conservation, but they also have sort of agricultural initiatives, anti-poaching initiatives, and education initiatives. So that's why Andy was really impressed with them and really proud to collaborate. And like I say, he wanted to be ecologically conscious, but he also needs to be economically sustainable. It is a business after all. So obviously he benefits from the powerful branding of, you know, of the image of the gorilla as a very powerful primate. And we've got a nice powerful gin to back it up at 46%, the mountain strength. So Right. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So has anyone actually ever gone to Africa or gone to see the gorillas in the company? No, they haven't. Me and my colleagues are really pushing for a trip out there, but apparently we can't afford it. So we're not invited. <laughs> if anyone's going, it's Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's something to add to the bucket list in the future, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, so you've mentioned your primary gin, your silverback. What other gins do you have? And what are their main flavors? So we also have an Old Tom gin. Old Tom is a style of gin. is actually the original English gin, slightly sweeter, especially compared to a London dry. So our Old Tom is the same botanical recipe with the flavors of sweet orange, lemongrass, acacia blossom, but we use twice the quantity in the distillation. And obviously it's sweetened. It's still a gin. It's not a sweet spirit by any means. It's not a liqueur, but I quite like that one just because it's a bit more aromatic. And I'd say the distinction between the two is Silverback Mountain Strength is my gin and tonic gin, but the Old Tom is my cocktail gin. It's especially good. I like a Negroni and it stands up to the bitterness of the Campari quite well. Awesome. Okay. What else? So, as you mentioned earlier, we've got our wild strawberry gin, which is very popular. I don't wish to stereotype too much, but certain gins attract certain demographics. And a lot of young women do like the wild strawberry, particularly with lemonade. It sells very well in the summer, so it's a fun and fruity one. But that actually might just be about to be retired in favour of a clementine and bergamot flavoured gin, which sounds very nice to me. And our wild strawberry is all organic, but it's still flavoured, as it were after the distillation, but the Clementine and Bergamot mod one will be sort of draw its flavor from the maceration of citrus peels and the bergamot in the actual gin. So that should be nice and vibrant when it's ready. So I'm looking forward to that. And then to complete the sort of four sisters of our gins, as it were, we have our BSOG, which is the old Tom gin that has been rested in Oloroso Spanish sherry casks. Ooh. Yeah, so it's Andy's idea of sort of competing in the after-dinner brown spirits market as an alternative for people who maybe don't like whiskeys and brandies that much. And so it has a nice bit of coloration from the oak, but we also take wood chips, soak them in the sherry itself, transfer them into the barrel with the gin, which again helps to accelerate the flavoring and the lovely sort of honeyed color of it. That's more of a sort of gin gin, as it were. But those who really like their gin do appreciate it. And it makes a very nice martini, albeit slightly yellow in colour, but, you know, it gives that lovely sherry edge to it. Mm, awesome. Okay. And you also have some non-gin products too. Most distilleries do. So tell us about those. Yeah, absolutely. As the Gorilla Spirits Co. Andy always envisioned a nice varied portfolio. We also have a rum, a spiced rum, which I'm very fond of personally, not being biased. 
And it's called Karasimbi, named after the highest mountain in the Barunga National Park in Rwanda. It's a dormant volcano. But it's the one thing we don't actually distill here because distilling rum in the UK can go a bit wrong, you know, playing around with all that molasses. So it can be a very expensive mistake if you get it wrong. So we go to ENA Shear in Amsterdam, and they're great importers of rum. I personally want to visit because this is sort of rum mecca. They have every age, expression, and origin of rum you can possibly think of. So Andy went over there and blended his own recipe, and he has a sweeter tooth than most. So even though it's a dry spiced rum, as opposed to some of the sweeter commercially available spiced rums you might know, it has a strong top note of cinnamon with sweet orange and vanilla. So people often describe it as Christmassy. But I quite like that. Although it was distinctive, I do like that cinnamony kick. So if you make a sort of dark and stormy with it, it adds a little extra heat to that. And if you make a sort of Cuba Libre, a nice rum and coke with it, it tastes a bit closer to a cherry coke or a Dr. Pepper because of that cinnamon edge, which again, I quite like. So it's a good fun rum. My colleague actually soaked her Christmas pudding in it this past Christmas. And uh, she said it was absolutely delicious when she set it on fire. So that's a good one. Wow, that's a great portfolio for a fairly new distillery. That's yeah, amazing that you guys have come up with so many. Okay. All right. We've talked a little bit about mixing, but do you have any other like cocktail suggestions or ways to mix your various products? Not just your gins, I guess, but other stuff too. Tips? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, my main tip uh, is to be fearless in your experiments in making cocktails. You know, you have some fun and see what you come up with, see what you like. My favorite and probably one of the most popular cocktails on my menu at the moment is a basil smash, which is essentially a cousin of the mojito, but just a basil, mint, lime, or lemon, and gin. And we like to shake it up, make quite a concentrated base, loads of basil, never too much basil, never too much mint. And then shake it really hard to get a nice thick green liquid. And then we like to top it up over loads of ice in a big glass with a fever tree Mediterranean or a soda, something nice and light and sparkling to make a long, refreshing sort of spring cocktail. So that's going down quite well at the moment. And another one, which is my personal favorite, I sort of, quote unquote, invented or rather sort of stole the idea off the Negroni as a concept, which is just alcohols in three equal parts as the base, but it's not really a Negroni because it's our kerosene spiced rum. Instead of for the sweet vermouth, instead of a martini rosso, I use coffee vermouth Torino, which I think is just slightly more refined and a bit less sweet than martini rosso. So if you can get your hands on that, that's very nice. And then Pierre Ferrand, dry curacao. So essentially, rum, sweet vermouth, curacao, all mixed together, stirred down for as long as you like with a twist of orange and a couple of orange bitters dropped in there as well. And with our cinnamon spice from the Karasimbi, it makes a lovely sort of orangey warming alternative to a Negroni. And there's a lovely woman who works here helping us bottle our products called Julie, and she's a ray of sunshine. And she loves Karasimbi, so I called it the Julie in honor ah, of her. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Okay. I want to come to your distillery now and hang out and you can make me some cocktails. <laughs> I was going to say, if you seriously, if you ever are in England, do remember us, do come by. Oh, absolutely. The plan is for next year. It was supposed to be this year for World Gin Day in June, but unfortunately the world has <laughs> other choices. Uh, yeah. But yes. Okay. So let's go back to the grill organization a little bit. Mm. Obviously, by buying your gin, people can help out the organization. But is there any other way that they can get involved? Or do you guys have like special fundraisers sometimes? Or like, tell us a little bit more about the grill organization itself. Absolutely. So 
if your listeners do want to get actively involved, I would actually recommend going directly to the Rilla organization's website. So you can see all their tremendous variety of initiatives, past and present, and see how they could actively physically contribute by going and volunteering, or whether they could financially contribute through various sort of donation schemes. But it's, as I say, at Gorilla Spirits, our tagline is saving gorillas one drink at a time. So if you want to have a bit of fun into the bargain, then we at Gorilla, as well as, you know, having visitors to our distillery or online sales, we're always out and about at gin festivals and country fairs, that sort of thing. And so we do hand out Gorilla organization leaflets and also some of our own and obviously help promote the sales because the more we can sell, the more pounds go to them. So it's in both of our interests. We also do quite a good line in stuffed gorillas, little toy gorillas that are made from 100% recycled plastic bottles. And I must confess, we do kind of use them as bait at sort of summer festivals because we put them on the stand and of course the children see them and then mummy and daddy are dragged over and then mummy and daddy leave with gin and the little ones leave with the little gorillas. <laughs> so. Oh, genius marketing ploy. Yeah, that's my own little marketing ploy there. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should have a little stuffed gorilla. They're very sweet, yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay, it is now time for mm. Gincident Story. So mm. do you have a Gincident Story that you can share with us? <laughs> I was going to say, so I have two potential options. One of them is a bit sort of safer to share, so we say. But the second one is more fun, and I'll probably give you sort of edited highlights of it, as it were. Okay. So the first one happened when I was a teenager, in the sort of days where you go and grab a bottle of something and take it to the park. We have a bit more flexibility with that, shall we say, in the UK than we do in Canada or North America. So we start a bit earlier, I'd say. So we were probably about 15, 16, a bottle of some sort of generic supermarket gin, the cheapest, I'm sure, and some tonic in a plastic bottle. And we had a very nice afternoon, but we were on bikes. So as we were cycling away from the park, my friend was cycling in a way that only drunk people can, like seemingly defying gravity, but weaving in very tight S shapes. Yes. And his flamboyant riding style attracted the attention of a policeman who happened to be parked nearby. Blue lights came on, pulled him over, said, are you operating a vehicle under the influence, sir? Quick as a flash, my friend. Sorry, officer, my chain came off and it caused me momentarily to swerve. I have now fixed my chain and everything is A-OK. And the policeman bought it hook, line and sinker. So that was a very smooth sort of little oh, incident. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said, have a nice day. Be careful. But that was it. Those 16-year-olds, we thought we were pretty smooth with that one. That's definitely, especially being under the influence, being able to think that fast. I know. We were so impressed with him. After the policeman left, we were like, oh, my God, well done. How did you do that? That's definitely an incident story that you will never forget. No, no, no. Yes. All right. What's your yeah. other one? Well, I run cocktail masterclasses here, and uh, I like to think I'm a very generous host, and people have a very good time. Strangers become very good friends by the end of the evening. I had a group of uh, local mums who were having a night off from their husband, you know, all friends, yep. and a night off from their husband and children. And they decided to stay a little after the other guests had left because they were having such a nice time. One of them came behind the bar with me and asked me to show her to make a Vespa martini, you know, James Bond's martini, yes. vodka, gin, lilay. And so we were doing that. We were shaking away. Her companions went downstairs for a cigarette. So it was just the two of us upstairs. And let's just say the shaking got a little bit closer than it should have. And all of a sudden, I was sort of pounced upon by said lady who has had a bit too much of a good time, I think. And luckily, I was saved by my colleague coming back into the room and making a bit of noise. So, again, like I say, that's the sort of edited version of it. But that's right. So, yeah. Mm, 
Oh, it's, so yeah, good. so that was a real quite an intense incident. Yes. And it's become the, yeah, the stuff of folklore around here that evening. <laughs> so it's almost like an avoided incident in a way. Yes, yes, it was. And I was happy to avoid it because I didn't know what was going on because I was in a professional setting. It all happened all quite suddenly. <laughs> and uh, I sort of froze, but luckily I was saved by my colleague. So. Yes, well, obviously your colleague had the instinct that you needed support. Mm-hmm. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Well, those are great, Jensen. So thank you for sharing that. Awesome. Okay. So anything else you'd like to share about anything, you know, the distillery, gorillas, anything at all? You're in the vicinity of Upton Gray in Hampshire. Please do come by and mention that you heard us on the Gin Spire podcast and we'll roll the gin carpet out for you, as it were. Oh. And we'll have a very nice time. Thank you. Yes, we've had quite a few UK distilleries on the show and we have a UK following. So not to worry. Oh, great. Yeah. Plus, people are starting to travel and they want to go see distilleries. So you never know who's going to show up at your doorstep. Exactly. Welcome on everyone who likes gin. Of course. There we go. All right. And there you have it. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Gorilla Spirits Company, the Gorilla Organization, some really awesome, yummy cocktails, some really fun incidents, you know, all the great work that the organization's doing and so, so much more. Thank you, Harry, for being here today. Thank you for having me, Heather. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the Gorilla Spirits Company, as well as the Gorilla Organization and the ginshop.ca for all your gin, clothing, and novelty needs. Until next time, remember, gin, because everybody needs a hobby. Thanks for listening to this episode of Ginspired, brought to you by the ginshop.ca. If we've ginspired you, let us know by leaving us a comment and a review. Or drop us a note at heather at theginshop.ca. We may even read your email or feature your ginspirational story in an upcoming episode. And remember to follow us on social media. Until next time, let the party be gin. <laughs>